it going is on. another nice day. It is. It's a little warmer than the previous time I believe we covered. Oh man, my my thermometer shows seventy degrees and sunny. Uh, mine is hidden once again by mm-hmm. a book, so I don't know for sure. I would say you're not running around today. Gotta gotta do a repair on my HVAC. I'm always one to do it myself, so reached out to a family member who runs an HVA uh, HVAC company in North Carolina. Just asking him about it in general. He was like, well, if it's still under warranty, I can just purchase it for you at the local uh, carrier dealer. So I ran into went into downtown and uh, picked up the part, and I'm just going to put it in myself. I swear, I don't want, you know. What was the diagnosis? Carrier. It's the some kind of, I don't know, assay blower unit thing. It's It's basically a fan that. Is it control that big fan that we all see out there whirling around? No, that one was Different. fine. That's what I thought it was. It's another fan, like an inducer fan. I think it drives the natural gas fumes oh, out of the unit. Huh? Yes, I had something like that happen once before. And I remember they basically explained to me, like, this is a safety thing. <laughs> And then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So you don't want to have the carbon monoxide building up, which right. no, one, I think it's, no one needs that being blowed into your house. Right. I think it blows that out. I mean, I imagine because what blows the air into your house is a fan inside your house. Like it, right. does, you got your, your air conditioning. Air. Yes. Your air conditioner and your heater don't actually pull in air as far as I know from outside. It Your mm. air intakes are all in your house and it just recirculates that would be, it. You would exhaust the system if you did that because yeah. the uh, coolant... Uh, was it a working unit has supposed to be able to drop at 20 degrees from whatever the ambient it, which would be the intake versus at the output of the nearest vent? That might be a mm. little much. I think that's about right. Maybe, Maybe 15. But it could do it. But it could do it more. Oh, you mean like. So if your inside room that. is 75 degrees, it should be able to blow at 55. Maybe that's like the threshold. It could be colder, but I think that's uh, the threshold. Yeah. Like so they if you would start at 95. Yeah, right, to see to what down. your unit is doing. Right, yeah, because it's not going to blow ice cold because it's starting with 95-degree air in the scenario you're talking about, which I have an upstairs, as do you. I and, swear. Uh, what a challenge. I would love for Carrier or somebody to be a sponsor because <laughs> they're gigantic companies um, or the train or whoever they are, whatever. I don't York. even know what unit I have. Um, but, God, American I swear Standard. these things... They seem like they're made out of paper mache. Like they just <laughs> break. Like go out there and like a bird lands on it and it's broken. Like it just what years? This yours? unit's not even eight years old. It's okay. it's, it's still got warranty on all parts for a couple more years, and mm-hmm. then it has another. It's got a twenty-two year warranty on the heat exchanger, which is one out of my other unit, the one I had before this one. And they had they said they had to replace the whole unit when that happened because it was so expensive. Blah blah blah. But anyway, I just went into town, got the part. I'm going to try to just do it myself. It looks super easy. Every time I watch anybody come to the house and fix something, I'm like, God, that was so easy. I just If I could find a way to get the parts myself, I could just do that. That's the problem is the knowing and also being able to know it's a, that exact thing. Yep. And I don't think you can just go. Like, I don't think I would have been able just to go to the um, – carrier warehouse and just get the part and because yeah, i think mm, you have to have it get to be because they wanted to go through their okay. businesses and right. yada 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 so although i don't know why direct to consumer you think that the economics of that would be fantastic or you know help them out you're but, cutting somebody out of uh, a job that's true but i mean for those of that i mean it's just like an auto mechanic and a lot of people can do a lot of things themselves 
I don't know. The, the, the risk, though, is if that's not what's wrong with it. I mean, I got the part for free because it was under warranty, but if I go in there right. and it's something else is broken too, then maybe that $85 service call would have been worth it. Um, but that's why we'll I see. ran into that once. I, have you ever done um, what would be telemedicine, but we're obviously talking about HVAC, so whatever that would be called, tele-handyman? Yeah. And well, I did I, video it and send it to my to my family member, and he was that's like, "That's oh, essentially no, that is. what I did to this telehandy." And he's like, "All right, it could be da 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 da, as you typical do, whether you're you know a doctor or you know mechanic on your Camaro. It's going to be these potential things based on what they're seeing and hearing and your description of what is or isn't working." And that one was a fail because it ended up not being what the person thought. And I don't necessarily blame them because he was standing here, but I. Just yeah. say that was my first attempt at doing it sort of telehandy. And there's a lot of different companies like this. And, and whether it's YouTube or paying someone's time to ask them questions that way, I would imagine a lot of people these days are just doing their own thing. I, I can't count of all the things that I've just kind of troubleshot myself. Because oh, yeah. I, it's just now what you do, so I've done it and forgot it. I have done lots of work on washer and dryer that we Well, have car repairs. Yeah, yeah. Those are That's the best is that kind of stuff. But like... But and I say that's the best because um, doesn't damage your travel, <laughs> right? Worst so, but case, car stuff so annoying. Everybody knows you go to the dealer and they still they do the same thing. But you're there at the car repair and like, well, it can be this, it can be that, it could be this, it could be that. We'll start here, and it's like, no, I mean, you're the expert here. You should know what it is. And it's sad that, and I, you know, there's lots of things and lots of you know um, professions that we don't understand. But you would think that a, a person who fixes automobiles for a living would at least have access to the same forums and um, uh, I know all going. the pages on the Internet that right. we do and could say, okay, well, these codes usually means this. And they could at least check that and see, you know, and say, oh, it could have been that. I I got charged by Nissan one time to uh, they changed the gas tank because they said it was rusting and then they wanted to charge another $200 um, to like the um, safety disposal fee, the environmental <laughs> fee. Right. And they're like, or you can just get the gas tank, kind of smart LED team. I was like, okay, I'll just get the old gas tank. Got the old gas tank and it's made of plastic. So I asked them, I was like, how's it oh, rust? Y'all told me this was rusting. So how is, like, oh, and they didn't really have an answer. And I was like, I didn't feel like arguing with them. I was like, okay. Um, but you said it was rusting and then they said it was something else on top, blah, blah, blah. Three or four weeks or months later, you know, not a very long time, but not a very short time, um, same problem started happening again. Mm. And all it was was a twelve dollar part that I ordered off eBay. It's like it was the one of the part of the EVAP mm-hmm. thing, and um, I fixed it and did it, and it worked fine for years. I mean, that was probably ten years ago, and now it's having the same problem. So I'm pretty sure that's what it is again. Right? Cause it's just a little, was a little stupid little plastic square parts that have nipples on them that you plug into a hose, and who knows what any of that really does? I know it keeps oil and stuff off the roadway supposedly but it's such a hassle a necessity anyway that hvac got me up in the middle of the night which got me thinking about this being sleepy during the day and i can feel it now like it started clanking and clunking it's right outside our bedroom window and erica woke me up and the dog was barking and she's like what's going on outside and i knew exactly you know an instant you know pretty quickly like I stopped and listened, and I think I was even awake before she woke me up. But you know how that goes. We can talk about that here in a minute. Actually, it was it's part a gremlin of reading. Yeah, and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, that's just a heater cutting back on because it started sounding bad yes a few days ago, and this time it sounded awful. Like somebody was dragging a, uh, I don't know, like a a rake down a wrought iron fence. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, better go turn that off. So I reached over to my modern cell phone and 
up and turn on the Nest app and hit off. <laughs> Didn't even have to get out of bed, which ruled. Mm. But anyway, that's what I got to do today. After after we record this, I'm going to go try to fix it and drink some caffeine for sure. Do you have uh can you feel, I know you have a stranger sleep cycles and habits than I do, but is that your go-to is caffeine? Oh, for sure. Get out from behind it or in front of it or however you want to look at and, it. And that's moderately successful depending on one's sensitivity to caffeine. And I have purged myself of caffeine a handful of times in life. I think the longest I went in a cleansing period was nine months. And I don't know how much you consume, but if you embark on a zero caffeine journey and for a length of time I, I became so sensitive to it that I could drink a glass of sweet tea which I would have I have no idea the milligrams but it's got to be minimal in tea compared to other like you know co- coffee and soft drinks that they infused it in but I could drink one sweet tea and feel like wow energized yeah. from that because I had just you know down regulated or excuse me up up regulated all the receptors out of the absence of it it was kind of reversing the, the tolerance if you will so I was super sensitive to it and now mm. I'm not in that you, mode right now cuz I drink a lot of coffee not necessarily st- I just like coffee so I drink it yeah, throughout delicious. the day and and my wife's like how do you drink that much and I'm like I don't know it's just like how does anybody drink a coke or whatever their favorite soft drink is I guess I have become more sensitive to caffeine later in life than I used to be and I it could be just as a youngster you know how it is the the younger you are it seems like the more stubborn you are I remember my parents telling me, you can't have caffeine, you won't be able to sleep. And I'd be like, yes, I can. And I'd drink a Coke and I'd go right to bed. But then i grab about not being able to sleep well. I'd be up all night long and looking back, it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't have been drinking that caffeine. Twelve and eight-year-old, as a reminder, is what I have at the house. And I do not like them to have a caffeinated drink. Uh, I don't think they I don't like get a lot of them. All. Well, I was going to say yeah. that's not a regular thing for sure. But if they're going to, like, oh, you know, we're going to cave today, and they're going to have like a glass of uh, a kid's glass of like Dr Pepper or whatever their soft drink of choice might right. be for the lunch. Uh, that's it. Two o'clock is like the latest. It's not as problematic for my son and my daughter, but she's also the lighter sleeper and the earlier mm-hmm. get her upper and all that. But if she has it. She's going to lay down and go to, quote, bed at their bedtime. And in 15 to 30 minutes, she's going to be up in our bedroom going, I can't sleep because it's still just trickling around enough in her that she's not going to, like, totally doze off. She's going to be much more easily woke. Well, you, um, when you had mentioned the idea of sleep inertia to me, I don't think I had ever heard that term. I just thought, you know, people getting up being drowsy was probably because they didn't have enough sleep or you know whatever so I had to do a refresher course on just sleep in general and it has changed since I looked at it last I don't know if you went back and looked at they've nixed psychology phase and, four and just call it yeah what was three and four they just now call it three right and a big lump. so I had to go had to go through all of that and look at it and yeah they just call that deep sleep so basically you when you're awake during the day your body I think it's a byproduct of ATP consumption, maybe you, the amount of um, adenosine in your body builds up, mm-hmm. and that makes you drowsy. Having adenosine, um, then you, the more you have throughout the day, the more sleep deprived you are. The more of that you have, and that makes you sleepy. And if you um, ingest something that blocks that adenosine, which is what caffeine does, is you're not as sleepy. So caffeine, in and of itself, doesn't really make you awake it just tricks your body into not being sleepy um but anyway i had to read back and look through all of that and 
Um, I thought that was interesting. And then like the stages you were talking about, the stages one through four, that's the non-REM sleep. Right. And just to be simple, basically what I saw was one through four, basically the the higher the stage number, the deeper in sleep you are. And we can just call three. I'll keep using three and four, but they're considered one stage now. Um, mm-hmm. They're so similar, I guess. And the stage three, four, the deep sleep is where it's hardest to wake somebody up from. And then, but after that, you start... Um, you start experiencing REM sleep, which stands for REM stands for rapid eye movement, um, which is exactly what it sounds like. Your eyes are just moving quickly from left to right, mostly up and down some. And I think you dream mostly in REM. I think you, I read different things that said that you can um, dream in any state, but most of it is in REM. That's what I read. Did as you well. get that too? Yeah. And apparently, you have throughout the night, you'll have several cycles of sleep, like four to six, if will if you get eight hours of sleep. And they're about 90-minute cycles. And you go, the further on through the night, by the time you get to the fifth or sixth cycle, or fourth maybe even, most of your early stage is replaced by later stage sleeping. So mostly three and four, and then REM sleep. And then as you go to wake up, um, or until you get to waking up, and then, of course, you're up and alert for the day. But the sleep inertia itself was something that's normal that everybody experiences for about the first 30 minutes. Um, but what we're more, I think what you're more interested in is interested in is when it carries on throughout the day for hours and hours and why people may or may not experience that. And I had some theories before and some of them were supported and some of them maybe not so. But as far as the basics, is that basically, I'm asking, is that basically what that is my, my reading and research and memory as well that you have phase one and two that are light sleep two is deeper yeah. than one in both of these you have the ability to move your muscles although that usually does not happen i mean maybe it's there's some rarity some people do twitch and move and carry on but it's not you don't have that paralysis that you will de- develop later in sleep so if there were to be some kind of stimuli you could move you don't have that sleep paralysis and then three which now has become three and four is just like the deepest sleep it, in any of the reading that you saw did there anybody remark on rem being any deeper or equivalent to the stage it, four three it it was kind of gray like it 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 they made it um abundantly clear that stage three four was the hardest to wake up from right but not not rem sleep though i, I think rem sleep is where you are, I probably should get my notes out and look, but some of those stages are your body's doing different things. I think in stage three, four, which is deep, is when your body's preparing muscle tissue, um, doing this, that, or the other. Um, that's when that's happening. In REM sleep, maybe it's doing the same thing. You're definitely dreaming, and they say that has some kind of psychological component where um, it is helping you, uh, what was it, understand your emotions or process your emotions in REM. And I think one and two, stages one and two, probably wouldn't help if I just would have went in order. <laughs> Right. But stages one and two were just like it helps you regain energy or um, it kind of just does stuff like that at first. Um, so that's why um, they talk about napping and power napping and, you know, what how long you want to do each one. And we can talk about that here in a little bit when we get more in depth. But I want to make sure we're on the same page as far as how we understand the latest. Yeah. And it, just but, uh, to kind of echo my... And not to go into the thalamus and hypothalamus. And, no, 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 no. 
that was I mean that's simple to go through, but it's we don't really need to talk about right. that here. So this interested me because I am plagued with this, and I don't know that everyone is. Um, it is normal to have that thirty minute window or less, mm-hmm. as you were saying, and I found that in, in every reading, no matter the source, all had about the same stuff to say on all all this matter, um, and that everybody has the potential to have it. However, I don't necessarily believe all people do have it, and this leads me to. You know, this hit me one day. I think when we were talking about being late is when I really yeah. started getting into, into the really thinking about this and the idea that I was trying to explain that. And I think my words I used were like people just kind of get lost in a fuzz. And it, I would see my own life when I'm getting ready to go to work that I, for the most part, go to work at the same time forever. And so I have certain like markers on the clock is doing at this point, I need to be here at this point. I need to be there at this point. I need to be pulling up the driveway, so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. my ability to keep up with that some days is better than others. And I'm like, oh, what's that about? And I kind of, the generic answer would be, well, you're just more tired. Well, what in the world does that mean in like a sort of a science world, you know? So I get to thinking about this more and so I did a little Googling and then I came up, I didn't come up with, but I come across the idea of sleep inertia, which I'm like, wow, I've never heard of, like this is a science thing where people just say, you're still kind of sleepy. You're not woke up yet. Well, it's not just one or two people or rarities of college students that never go to bed. Like this is a regular occurrence of human beings. Again, back to the norm of 30 minutes. But during that it's moment. It's lasting longer. Like some people, like four hours, right. said. And it can be lengthened by how sleep deprived you are because mm-hmm. it, it, one of the things also, I, there's a lot of things I've got in my mind. So I'm trying to keep it organized. I have suffered with this. Yeah, this, this my is whole a life. broader topic than I thought it was going to be, but right. it's still very interesting. And so I was happy to. I have been amazed and a little bit off put because I was the negative recipient here of just being Mr. Sleepyhead or however you want to call it. You, 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 people either are relating to this because they themselves are this way or they know someone or a sibling that is. And I, I would talk to people as I've aged about, you know, what a reason we'd came around to sleep and so-and-so would say, yeah, whenever the alarm went off, I just got up and I'm like, I don't even understand that. Never in my life has that happened. But is there, why is the question I have to ask? So I'm not, I don't really take back anything I said in the late episode um, that we did. If it's aired before this one, which it should, um, I still think a lot of people's would be fixed behaviorally. Now, some people, of course, you know, they have, you know, defects in the physical things we were talking about. Oh, earlier. for sure. It's not but, an excuse for being late, but it's putting a little bit more math onto the table. Yeah. For, but I mean, like if you don't, if you don't allow yourself to have enough sleep or if you do what, when, when you and I have our swing shift, um, I know we, I think we do a little similar. We kind of sacrifice when we have the swing shift that one day, um, when I say swing, I mean, we're switching to an overnight or a different later shift. Um, I sacrifice sleeping that day to hopefully catch up throughout the week. And it does wear on me. Like I can tell I'm more sleep deprived. And I just, I think that a lot of people just don't get enough sleep is the basis of it. Like they don't, they don't allow themselves to go to bed early enough. Um, and they think, okay, I'll just, you know, I can just operate on four hours. Well, after a while from all the reading I could do, like that's, that's why they have the sleep inertia is, is because they're not their behavior is stopping them from doing it. And th- the biggest thing to me that I realized through this and this, as I kind of look back on life was if you are waking, being that it's the time that your household starts moving around or and or you have an alarm clock or whatever that is, and it happens to not be at the best moment, you're going to wake up with this fog. 
There's no mm-hmm. way around yep. it. And that it, was real interesting. That yeah. has been my life. Now, because I'm not going to say I have never woke because we all wake in the middle of the night. Now, I don't wake in the middle of the night like before, you know, we all say like, oh, man, it stinks to wake up before the alarm clock. But you wake up and you can literally think and you have a concept of time and all that. Here's the demon falling back asleep because it's way too early to be up at that point. Let's say you have to be at school at 8 a.m. and it's high school or whatever, college. And your alarm goes off at seven because you live in the dorms and you don't have really far to go to the meal hall and or to go to the first class or maybe it's 645, whatever your math works out to. But if you wake up at 445, you're not staying awake. Most, more than likely, you're going back right. to sleep. Here is where I just fell into a cave and never realized what was going on scientifically. I'm going back and probably falling into one of these deeper, slow mm-hmm. wave, more delta waves as they're describing it. So now it is a bomb has to go off to wake me up. So now I'm awake, but now I'm like in this sort of hypnotic phase. And there's one, you know, there's some variants in these sources. And one of the ones actually said the brain exists during awake time in either one of two modes, either positive, a focused positive task mode or negative task, non-focused mode. Meaning like when you're just daydreaming, if you're a passenger on a train or in somebody else's car or whatever, and you don't have to be engaged in anything and you're not in a conversation, you're just kind of staring off into the abyss of the clouds or whatever that, that sort of like your brain's in neutral. That's that versus everything else. When you're engaged, like me and you're engaged right now, whether you're doing math or doing, you know, your classwork or paying attention, all the rest of that, there's a task and you're being attentive to that. The brain switches in and out of that all day long. Some probably more than others, but when you have this sort of brain fog, sleep inertia, your brain has not got the ability yet. I kind of think about this as a computer firing up and that you can quote wake, meaning eyes open. You can talk, you can yawn, you can stretch, you can put your feet on the ground, even walk around your house. But the prefrontal cortex where like decisions are made and analytical things and being able to understand concepts of time and how long things take, that's not firing yet. And your ability to get it online is going to be different person to person, but it's not going to exist during sleep inertia because you don't, it's kind of like a manual transmission and you're just stuck in neutral and you just can't seem to find first gear to save your life or reverse or anything because it's just like, for whatever reason, I can't get the stick to move. And you don't even, you can't think to do it. It's not like you want to do it and you're paralyzed. It's just like a fuzz, this middle room that you're in. You can't control it while you're doing it. Right. But I think that you could try to modify your behavior to try to at least help a little bit. And I don't know that people will ever do that. I was thinking of a couple of people in particular when I was reading about all of this. And they're the kind that, like, they drink Red Bull or coffee all day long. And maybe they shouldn't be drinking it so this is late. This a cycle because of that. Like yeah, They're, they're they, literally in this cycle that there's just no way, easy way out. They just have to break it. Right, they're gonna to have to take a weekend or something, or you know, and just just do it. And um, I thought that I would read somewhere not to drink coffee in the morning because um, I don't usually have to. Mm-hmm. Because I have, um, since I've started being a professional and, and going to work, um, I have made it a point to make sure that my sleep was. Um, I mean, not not something I live for and like plan my whole day around, but I. Go and you sleep. Gave it attention. Like I don't sacrifice. Yes, it is. It is a priority because I know what it feels like to be at work, or especially in our profession, like to, to be in a fog. You just you just can't be that way. So I've made it a huge priority. Like, okay, I got to go to bed now, and I got to. This is the way I'm doing it. This is what works for me. And I think just people that 
I see them dragging in, you know, at I'm supposed to be there at six and I can never get there till six fifteen or seven. They're there till seven fifteen. And I just know they probably weren't in bed until twelve thirty the night before. And they probably only were able to get, you know, a couple of cycles and they never really got in that stage three, four, like they should have and REM. And so now they're going to have sleep inertia because when their alarm clock woke them up, all of a sudden they were in one of those that they needed. And now they're going to be stuck, you know, drowsy all day long. And unless they ingest themselves with caffeine or Red Bull or which is going to take about 30 minutes for it to have its effect. So if you don't ingest it upon you wake up, stand on the floor that you get, you don't start the clock of thirty minutes until you start ingesting it. Well, if they had to wait till they get to you, which is already late, right. they're they're you're going to be gone, and the next person is going to be working before they ever get kicked in. Yeah, probably, most likely, if it's on. Yeah, um, or you know you you're there and you you get there at seven, and they're there supposed to be there at eight or you know six and whatever. You're there an hour earlier, and they're not really ready to work really until almost noon if they're if they have the delayed inertia like that four hour we were talking about. I mean, they talked about some ways you could fix it on your, but you can't do that during the work day. Like you can't, um, take a take 20 a minute nap. nap or like, and they say to only take 20 minute naps when you're, um, wanting to retain tasks that you had just, rem- or, um, or was it just a, no, that was just to, um, get, a, get the, the drowsiness to go away. Right. Have you ever had a, less than 30 a nap minutes. hangover? Oh, yeah, yeah. I try not to take them because I just don't like them. Because I can't do just a little 30-minute nap. Now we like, know what I that feel is. Like, it's essentially I, yeah. the delta waves are just consuming your brain. And, yes, you've, quote, woke up. But your brain has not cleared that moment yet and won't for a while. And then, and then they say at least a 90-minute nap if you're going to do longer than that. And that's what you need. Like, you can't. Full cycle. I know. I was an all-nighter, like, studying before tests in school and college. I would just stay up all night and then go take the test. I had friends who would stay up and then go home and take, like, a, a power nap. I'm like, no, I couldn't do that. One, because I wouldn't be able to wake back up. Well, I wouldn't think. And two, I wouldn't remember what I had just learned. And these, according to these articles I've read, that seems to be true. Like, you would want to have at least a 90-minute nap if you're trying to retain information. like that you had just learned a task or information or ability or whatever it is, you want to do at least 90 minutes. And of course that's going to vary. Um, your, your cycles are going to vary as you sleep throughout the night. But I think they're talking about if you're sleep deprived and you go take a nap, like you want it to be 20 minutes. If you're just trying to refresh yourself right. and at least 90 minutes, if you're trying to continue on doing something you started on and you want to retain any of that skill that you had learned or information. Yeah. That trying to pull yourself out of, uh, a mistimed nap just was never worth it to me. I, I would just power I through. I, I did countless all-nighters because I knew, one, there's a chance I may not wake myself up for a while. And two, if I were successful into doing whatever I agreed upon time or two, it went off. Now I'm going to waste an hour of existence trying to break through the fog of, of like, oh, my brain's just not engaged. It's like I didn't have that much time that I could just set on fire. Right, and it and it, it would it would and it would inevitably just be a waste of time, or it was for me. Um, so I just I just wouldn't do it. You were talking a second ago, um, and we kind of touched on this a second about the alarm going off and waking you up. And I always felt that way; like it woke me up and scared the pee out of me. Like it gets your adrenaline levels up, and it talked about your adrenaline levels being high can can um cause sleep inertia. I have a little bit of sleep inertia today, if you can't tell from that <laughs> from that 
HVAC unit last night. Um, probably should have had me a cup of coffee. Um, but and and it mentioned um, doing a sleep study with yourself, and you know these marvelous smartphones we have now have the ability to track you. I think based on movement, maybe I'm, right. not, I'm not sure. Um, but and it talked about not having an alarm wake you up when you're in that deep of a sleep. And I was like, well, well, if you got to be up, you got to be at work at seven. Mm-hmm. Your alarm's got to go off. So how do you do that? And I was like, well, I guess it would wake you up earlier, like before, like a cycle before you were. You would learn your. Sure it would learn your the, patterns over a few days. I'm pretty sure the uh, latest iOS for the Apple iPhone users. I'm pretty sure that there is something built in to do that. And I just found this the other day while I was laying there trying to fall asleep. And I'm I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this before. And it talks about sleep and it tells like you ask what time do you want to go to bed daily? But you know, because mine and your life is not the normal cycle, this was just not gonna work mm-hmm. for me. Maybe I could try it on a handful of off days and see how well that worked. But I wondered if, you know, supposedly the smart technology would tell it like, okay, we have left deep sleep now. Let's wake them. I right. So it could be in theory, but I get it. wouldn't let you go back into another cycle. So right. if you had it set for six o'clock and it knew though, it needed to wake you at say five mm-hmm. or you're going to be in a deep cycle. So you're just going to have to get up even earlier, which people be like, what? I got to get up earlier. Well, yeah, you might, but you could do two things. You could go to You'd bed earlier. That? Right. Yeah. And because you're getting up earlier, you're not going to be in that deep sleep. So it'll be easier to get up and just stay awake, you know, rather than go back. And how many times have you heard people say, I woke up at five and I just got on up because I know if I went to bed, it would be be worse. That's exactly the truth. And that's what the studies are showing. So you should just, if you get your alarm set at six and you wake up at five, probably should just go ahead and get on up and just do some stuff. And here's the fallacy. Go to work and you're feeling great. It is not an accurate statement to say you need all the sleep you can get. Correct. Because if you think about it in that sort of linear fashion, like money or something else, Mm -hmm. it's not the same because it's going to ebb and flow given these cycles. And and those stages in your brain resetting. Exactly. Wake up naturally. But it's again, back to our scenario, that's pre-alarm clock and a significant amount where you got to kind of make a choice here. Like, do I want to be up an hour and a half before my alarm would have gone off? Mm, that's a tough one. Yeah. Think about this. Like I could get another 90 minutes of good rest. We all need rest and you have all these validations and you not so like the lazy person who's doing this, but you literally think you're doing the right thing because it's, mm-hmm. you're garnering more of what we all know is healthy and that is sleep. Problem is... You're going to miss it because you're going to hit one of these cycles or you're going to be chopping a cycle where you're not cleaving at the end or in the lighter sleep part of it. You're going to wake up in something that's too deep, possibly. And now your day is already, you're going to be behind for three or four hours. So compare, you're going to be up an hour and a half before the alarm, go throughout your day, throughout your day. You know, you're into what would be three or four hours after you normally would have gone off. You're probably not even going to know that. And this just occurred to me within this last 365 days because I, for terrible, re- well, not necessarily terrible reason, but just a terrible uh, way of handling my sleep because of the ultra running Ironman kind of things I was doing with these long shifts of our job. There are days that I would not get a lot of sleep 
I was yeah. just running on a program and it was like work get off, go do four or five hours of training and then catch a nap and then hit repeat. And then when I wake up, it's like, Oh, there is no choice here. I got to just push myself through because that's just what I do. Well, sometimes I would be like, mm, I know my body needs it. And so I would grab some more sleep because I'm already short on sleep because I didn't allow it for enough sleep and that in was general. compounding it making it worse yes so i thought yeah. i was grabbing another nine and that's minutes. intuitive like what you're saying that's what you feel intuitive is yeah just grab that extra minute it's like putting a little more gas in the tank yeah. well in fact yeah. you're it's like putting 50 octane in there instead of 87 or like, it's yeah, you like, got a little more but it's not gonna work good you could get <laughs> another uh let's say 150 dollars for your job uh, for the salary for whatever period you want to put this in your head but the cost of that to you, because everything in life has could be equated into a dollar, like your time, your away from your family. It's taxed more. Uh, you got to catch another train, maybe for in a city where you commute this way. But now you're going to miss, like you're, it puts you totally out of skosh. Like there's no schedule for this particular new thing I've done. So yes, I gained another $150, but that one day I, I missed by just minutes that one train. I had to wait that much longer or bus or whatever. Like what I'm trying to say is you don't net 150 that's the problem right. with this it actually is a deficit in the end because to follow my analogy with sleep that is what happens you are now in a deficit because you're going to carry throughout the day this at least a four-hour fog i think in the beginning that could have been avoided but it doesn't make sense it's counterintuitive there's nothing in life works this way where less is more kind of thing or kind of works in and out of a sweet spot and if you don't go to bed with this knowledge or have this in your waking day brain there's no way your sleeping head is going to understand this Right. And you're just going to hit snooze or whatever. And mm -hmm. so I guess that's so uh, to sum it up that about my alarm. So that is what you think it does. Then it just wakes you before and you're just going to have to be awake. Yep. And then maybe at the end of the day, you'll just go to bed earlier. So you'll, you know, maybe you can start correcting it slowly. So just get on up and then throughout the rest of the, the week, um, just go to bed a little earlier if you can, or you just, you're just going to have to make it a point, I think, to, to try to do that. Well, I just can't go to sleep. And you hear people, we could do an episode on stubbornness too. Like people mm -hmm. are so stubborn with their habits and their ways. Like you just, it's hard to convince them to change and may, they have to see it themselves. No matter what it is, no matter how smart the person is, sometimes you just got to see it themselves right. and let them try it. And hopefully with presenting them this information, maybe they'll, okay, and try to look at it. But I was, um, it was, you know, the different stages and what they do is the big deal with all this. Like you, like you're saying, you can't just grab 30 minutes of sleep because you're not going to go through the correct phase or stage mm -hmm. to get the benefits in that stage because you're not going to be in the right one to get what you need. Like it's just, it's going to, and in fact, it'll, it'll make it worse. Like I was saying, like if you, you're not just putting in, like your car runs on, if you don't know, people who don't know, your car runs on gasoline and it's a different types of octane and get 80 to 90 something that's generally what most vehicles run on and if you put like 50 octane in the car then it may not run correctly um or maybe even higher whatever you're, but so you're getting more gas but it's not going to run good or you're putting more liquid in there but it's not maybe like just right adding type. water to your tank yes you right. increase the volume in the fuel cell mm -hmm. but it ain't good for it right but it's, it shows it run a little it shows here full. and there yeah <laughs> right but 10 percent nope, of that's, that's water not, that's not how it works exactly um and then what else did they talk about as far as, um, so you have these things and obviously we've established that it's, those are the most likely reasons why it's happening. But what I couldn't find a whole lot of ideas on trying to treat it other than behaviorally, like it did say 
And when you wake up, you can kind of fight it with caffeine. But we're talking about putting Band-Aids on something. Like, you really need to fix the problem. The ban- the the uh, co- the coffee will help with the adenosine issue or, make, you know, make you alert. But it's not going to fix the problem. You're still going to be drowsy later on. If you, you you just have to do an experiment yourself. I'm thinking you have to, one, establish a regular falling asleep time. And assuming you ha- have a job or a life and situation where you can do that and or also a couple that with an exact waking time every day. And just you're going to have to do that over a period of time. If I, all right, from if I fall asleep at 10 o'clock or at least the attempt starts at 10 o'clock and then I get up at 530, that one felt the best. Or, no, we're not there yet. You're just going to have to tweak that kind of a fore and aft thing. Like, well, maybe you need to sleep a little bit longer. Maybe it needs to be a little bit earlier because it's all about catching this wave. It's just sort of like surfing. Like, you don't want to try to go from the beach out to the deeper water in the middle of one. I mean, if you do it at just the wrong moment, you're going to get your face pounded. But if you do it mm-hmm. just right, you can kind of go up and over the wave or you can kind of go through the wave. It's, it's the same thing and it's kind of the same idea as we're trying to mentally surf our sleep patterns here and find out where we are in that. Yep. And like we said, if you do, if you, if you just every day waking up at a certain time because the alarm clock, that that's probably not the best way. And you're not going to solve any problems doing that. Um, but there, there were, um, of course, there were all types of people that had like, uh, um, whether it was emotional disorders or actual physical disorders. Now, I don't think that applies as much. And it, it was, it was amazing the percentage of people who had like mood disorders and just in general, um, stuff like that, that their amount of sleep disorder was right there with them. Like they have huge sleep disorder with it. I'm not saying you make that an excuse, but also you kind of wonder, well, if you kind of fix one, will it at least help the other? I don't see how it would hurt it. And a lot of the people I know that have a lot of these super anxieties and um, mood swings and depression, they also have terrible sleep habits. And it's like, you know, which is first, the chicken or the egg? Right. And, And it's hard to say for sure, but if you could at least work on one, maybe it'll help the other. And, uh, it wouldn't hurt anything to at least try to get a sleep pattern down and try to get, you know, do it correctly and see if it helps the other. I would imagine it would because all of that stuff, your circadian rhythm and, and all of that ties into a healthy human. So this could be an easy, small step that doesn't require drugs. It just requires you just going to sleep, you know, going to bed and and waking up, of course, and staying awake. Um, everything, everything in life requires a little effort. And this is just something that would just require a little bit of effort, a little bit of um, self-discipline. I, I don't sit there and watch Netflix till one in the morning. Right. Just turn it off. I imagine, uh, and I, because I was ignorant of this, and I don't know that you are familiar with that term, that the idea of this in general will be, should be, I would think, lots of light bulbs for people. Because if you don't understand what's going on, which I didn't forever, Like, I kind of started getting this idea that, man, if I could just wake up when it felt easier to wake up, that was so much better. And I never, I don't know that I ever understood, like, why I would wake up, other than, like, you wake up with that sensation, like, you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But whenever I would wake up at, say, like, 5 in the morning, I'd be like, why did I wake up? I didn't hear anything that woke me up. And your brain is wide awake and fresh because you've completed you know, you're at the perfect point to kind of jump mm-hmm. off. And I don't know right. that I ever understood that. I've misinterpreted that. Well, I've got all the sleep that my body needs kind of thing. And that has a little bit of truth to it, meaning like you're at a really good spot now to become alert and awake. 
and for that day, right, right, yeah. and if your alarm's going to be going off in an hour and a half, it, it is. I don't know because that's right on the window of that ninety minutes, and that's right. ninety minute cycling. That is all averages, people. I, I would say you, get, yeah. you need. I don't know how outside of a sleep study because I don't think this is something in your smartwatch, smartphone, or anything you could do at home. But uh, I will say the smartwatch and or the wearable things, the technology that accompanies those is getting better and better mm-hmm. with like the latest Apple Watch can detect arrhythmias and things like that. That Maybe one day we will have devices that can detect to some degree of accuracy what kind of sleep mode we're in and be like, okay, especially if you kind of wear it over a course of time, which most people wear their watch that way and kind of get a pattern. Okay. Like, so Darren has this thing where if he goes to bed at 10, he's going to finish his last, you know, the daylight hour or as it becomes light sleep cycle at about six fifteen. So we need to wake him up then and have the yep. software set in to do that, which I, I that's wish what I, I wondered if that's how a little bit more work. into this thing yeah. that Apple has. I don't know. Maybe it's already trying to do that, but I think it's ability to detect things is going to be kind of crude at this point. But I will say uh, in light of current news with COVID and crisis and all that, have you seen that these wearable technologies are actually predicting people's uh, diagnosis before they have symptoms? Mm-mm. Have you read that or seen that? It's both. There, there was a news article, and it was on uh, one of the you know talking Fox, CNN, one of those or both of them. Hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, there is a product called Strap. I believe I may be wrong, but this is kind of a faceless. It doesn't have like a display like a watch does, but it captures all the same stuff, and you wear it all day, every right. day. And it, I think it keeps like a five day charge. Well, the guy who came up with that or spokesperson for that company was interviewed, and they were seeing, and so they were in a study with. I don't know, pick a med school in the country to uh, kind of further the knowledge that we're gaining from that. But they were seeing in patients that became COVID positive that before symptoms were found, there was some change in their data, particularly their breathing rates before they even knew it, before they felt bad, before they could say, oh, man, I feel like I'm breathing, you know, breathing a little faster Mm -hmm. today. It was showing up in their data, not just one or two, but it was a substantial amount of these users so that they started to study. And then, again, there was a news blurb today, and it was related to Fitbit, uh, the one guy who was talking about it. But all of these things, these wearable things, can detect this now. Some Mm -hmm. are better than others, and some do this, that, and the other. But the point of that is maybe we're going to get a lot more better knowledge about our bodies based on these wearable technologies which i would love to dive into one day a little bit deeper well the f- fact that that works makes perfect sense i mean like we were saying everything's tied in together mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe maybe we'll be making huge steps here and like you said if you just if you just didn't know the information i kind of figured it out on my own not yeah i couldn't have put it all into words like these articles did but i kind of figured out like if i wake up at a certain time rather than going back to sleep um, if I say I've had to be at work at 10 and um, I woke up at 4.45 or 5 o'clock, you know, I could wake up then and be awake and be fine. And I'll be drowsy when I get home and need to go to bed earlier. Um, or I can usually sleep again till about 8 or 8.30 and that, you know, in and around that time. Um, and, and then I'd be up and be fine, you know, also. So it makes sense these cycles are about that long. Something else we haven't mentioned yet, um, not to throw a wrench in it. We would be amiss, though, if we didn't mention that these requirements and these stages, they change with age. So we're just giving the general middle of the road, you know, 30 year old averages. The more the younger the person is, the more sleep in general they require and the more they go into stage three, four and REM. This is what I read. And as you get older, the less you are in deep sleep and REM. Right. 
and it may be, you know, one could be cause of another. I don't know. I mean, in babies in general, their cycles are shorter, but they're almost in REM instantly. Like right. only within a few minutes, they're in REM. And, but their cycles are shorter rather than being 90 minutes. Um, they're only 50 to 60. Uh, there was, you know, not that it matters. This is just me nitpicking and seeing what you understood. There was one article that said you didn't go into the REM sleep until after 90 minutes. But everything else said that the 90 minute cycle included the REM. Um, I saw the same thing, but also it's either here nor there. You just, if you wake up, you're waking up, right. but I just, I couldn't, I was like, well, I'd be, I'd be kind of like, I was, I just went into school mode. I was like, well, well, if they ask this on the test, which one is correct? You know, it's I also like, think anyway. stage one, two, and three vary in length based on how you feel. And this, I found mm-hmm. real interesting. Did you see, and based on your, dep- your previous deprivations, did you see anything about, parts of the night now so this gets into shift workers that's a whole nother conversation the majority mm-hmm. of the world yeah. does not do that so that is not what we're talking about but within the course of the night you have from 11 p.m to 3 a.m being the uh, most non-rem time now you, you might think well man that has to do with the front of the night i don't know that there is a reason into that yet but within that time frame even though you're going through these whole cycles This is where I actually had a misunderstanding as a young person, maybe even into college, that I thought the whole night was a cycle and not necessarily right. Just one long eight hour cycle. You went to sleep and then you had stage one and then you went into stage two. And I'm talking about as the clock winds around and you didn't necessarily hit the stage four until maybe they didn't know that back then. Because I I feel like this is the first time I've learned that they're short. Well, I feel better about myself then because (laughs) I remember as I first was curious about this and started reading, I'm like, oh. Because in my mind, I thought like REM was going to happen oh, right around 3 a.m. Yeah, or something. In there. Yeah. And, you, and then yeah. later, and, and maybe again, maybe we didn't know that then. I don't know. But now we know your whole night is made well, up. Well, some of the stuff I read was like from the 40s. Or maybe it was just one of those things that was so unknown. They just didn't, they didn't feel comfortable just telling you. Or, or maybe we didn't Or we missed <laughs> one key phrase. Like these right. are 90 minutes and you repeat a lot of those through the night. Because all I heard was right. phases. Okay. Is it one, two, and then deep. And then already, and I'm relating it back to myself. Well, when I wake up, I am in this fog. So I got to be somewhere near that four or what, what the time was four. Or sometimes you're dreaming and then you wake up because the alarm goes off. Well, that was REM. So that I was just putting that on the time span of the whole night, which is not correct as, and that's right. wanted to make that point in case anybody was thinking that is, the same thing. If there was one thing that we'd like to get across, I feel is that, is that what you just said? Like you, these are multi, you have multiple cycles throughout the night, four to six. And the whole point, you don't want to wake up while you're in the, in the middle of three, four or REM sleep, no matter where that is in the night. Um, you don't want to be in that cycle, that part of that cycle and get up and have to get ready and go out throughout your day. Right. That's where you're going to be groggy all day. So you can go through and have four 90-minute cycles. Um, and as long as you are waking up at the end of the REM cycle, you should go ahead and get up. You sh- and you shouldn't go back to sleep if you don't have enough time to complete another. And some people, I think it said even went up to 120 minutes maybe. Right. I thought I'd saw that. So if you can't complete another one, you should try not to go back to sleep. And then if you do, you know, you go to bed earlier the next day and you'll have more number of cycles. Um, but it, it's, it's more important to, yeah, you want to have as many of those cycles as you can, but the the whole thing I took out of it was you want to complete a cycle and then be up for the day. If you, you just don't want to start another one if you can't finish it. Like you wouldn't want to start an episode of Netflix of, of whatever show on Netflix if you can't finish it. 
like you're kind of like each each cycle is an episode of sleep and you don't you want to finish a whole episode you right. don't want to be halfway between on there and requirements for different people are different too but that's the take home i think that i learned from all this just looking at it and I do look at it a little bit differently but you i still think most people who don't have like we mentioned before you can take control of it by your behavior. Um, if you do need more cycles, just go to bed earlier. Um, but I noticed that before as well. Like I just, I would just get up and just be up for the day, and I felt so much better rather than just sleeping it till the very last minute until that alarm went off. And then it's like, ugh. I know people too, though, that will hit the snooze button four hundred times, and I don't know, you know if that, you know the reason why. Well, my, I, my, I was hoping I would learn. <laughs> I, my theory is it has to do with when you're being disturbed, because I will hit the snooze. But sometimes it's just once. Sometimes it's four times. The reason is I can't. I don't. I cannot make my muscles push me out of the bed if I'm in one of those depths moments. If you ever turn or hit snooze or whatever and not remembered it, I would imagine you have. I've never been a snooze person. Or I've turned it, it a off. few times in my life, but I've turned the alarm off and then went back to sleep. Did you um, have you ever done that and not remembered it? No. My point is, if people have, and I have countless times, I think it's possible. It's because you're in one of these coma moments where it's the deepest deepest thing where there was just enough stimulus to make you awake but you're not doing it on task you're just like beating something up like there's an animal over here that's biting me i'm going to keep swinging at it till i stop i don't necessarily <laughs> have to do computations or math but eventually when i hit that screen enough times this thing's going to get quiet do you think if you wake up and you do that in the middle of REM and then you can go back to sleep fast enough, you'll re-enter REM? I wasn't no. able to find that anywhere. I mean, you that, think back I don't think anything is impossible. I think there's probably people out there that can go quickly into that, and I think there's people in the world who never have that. I, but in general, you think people they would go? You think they start back over at stage one or phase one, but they'd maybe go through those more quickly if into REM? I am woke. By just myself waking up and not some kind of outward stimuli, I have woke up in it with with dreams going on, and then dozed right back off. I can't say that for the most part I ever pick up back where that dream was, but I will start another I dream have a time sequence. Or two. I mean, I have. Yeah, I, I've it's done that very too. Very rare. Right, it is rare. It does happen, but yeah, I usually start a new one. There's a lot of things here that that could be unpacked because the whole idea of sleep and what goes on and how people experience that is so different than just lay down and go to sleep. And, you know, as, right. you, as you've been commanded maybe over time. Back in bed. <laughs> and this one little nugget that I really wanted to bring out that I, I don't know how valuable it'll be to anybody, but it was really intrigued me was that idea between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. There is oh yeah yeah more yeah, non REM that happens, and the converse between three AM and seven AM is when the most amount of REM mm-hmm. sleep happens. Yep. So there is a big conclusion here that really was like a revelation to me. Early bird people, people that like to go to sleep early, they're all you know the average person is going to sleep what is it seven and a half hours, some more, some less. But let's just say mm-hmm. no matter what, outside of some extremes, you're going to sleep up what you're going to sleep. So if you're an early to bed person. And this was not just my conclusion. It was actually in the article. Yeah, that I read these that. folks have less REM, which is not good in, well, the big, in the big picture. My question to that was, though, is that really true? Or is it like, could you conclude that from that data? Like, I thought maybe just that author concluded that generally those are the times. Like, what I mean is... Is it really between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m.? Or is it just that, like, if they went to bed at a certain time, that's just a general... Like, I read it, 
I, I disagreed with her, or I could see where it could be incorrect. I interpreted it as no matter when you sleep, the, towards the end of your sleep cycle, you have more REM or your sleep cycles, you have more REM towards the end. So I was like, well, does that really mean that? Just because you go to bed earlier, why wouldn't you get your REM time later in the sleep period? Not necessarily, what does the clock matter? I mean, the clock is just a number. Unless there is some kind of thing with our, with the magnetic poles and the daylight, yeah, and all that stuff. And what about people who do have shift like jobs where they sleep with the bright daylight that's, open? So are they not? Are they going to be? <laughs> is that why they're? They say they die early, and who knows if that's true or not either. I couldn't find any hard data. Cause how would they even know? Right. But um, I question that. But it was interesting if it in fact was like okay, this time between eleven and three and four and seven. Like on the clock, no matter how you sleep, that is when you get those. That's interesting. But I kind of thought of that might be a fallacy in her in her assumption. What is it? They say um, correlation doesn't equal causation. Right. Yeah, like if it's just it'd happens be easy to, be, to prove. I mean, if you did a sleep study, you think, like you that you had the data that led to those yeah, generalities, and let's yeah. say you book a hundred or a thousand or whatever, on. and yeah. you measure people that are quote call themselves early to bird folks, you measure their quantitatively, you know, compare theirs to the other people, which led me to maybe a false conclusion. That'd be easy just to do a sleep study on them and see if because I mean it knows when you're in which uh, phase right. or stage based the, on the EEG, right? Yeah, that led me to the conclusion. Maybe improperly based on her improper conclusions that so you have the maybe her could be right. I just wanted to throw that in there. Sure. Uh, are you familiar? I'm sure with the phrase early birds and not owls. I don't know why we're aviary comparisons. Yeah, but I've heard of those. Yeah. What would you consider yourself? Night owl. Uh, I, well, I don't know. Growing up, I was a night owl, but now uh, definitely that can change in a person's life. I now I get up super early, but I think that has to do when we do our shifts, our um, when we have to work those late shifts. Like I'll start yeah, getting up really early, candidates. and yeah, I think it like yeah, like I think because we do the swing thing, like it, it when we do the night shift, it's uh generally in life I am a night owl. I have been too my whole life. Like that's why I did I'd be up all night as a kid, and uh, my grandmother was the same way. Have you ever so, been curious about anyway. that? Like, why do people? Why? I mean, yeah, I remember I this wondered. way as like an eight. I wonder if it was evolutionary. Like, certain people needed to be well um, night owls to theories, guard the camp, and, and that's all there yeah. is about you know early man. That there are theories that there are, like you said, there will be groups of people to protect the camp, the group, community, whatever, from other marauders, from animals, what have you. There would be people that it was just naturally easier for them to stay up late. Versus mm-hmm. there's people that it's naturally easier for them to get up early. And those late night people, because they were around each other, probably had relations, probably had offspring. You know what I'm saying where I'm going? That there is this yeah. really stretched out theory that it all comes to do, the fact that there are, quote, not people and early people only because then they were around each other. They had offspring and it yeah. went on and on and on and on. Now, <laughs> that doesn't that make sense. I don't know that it necessarily carries weight today, but it makes for an interesting story. Yeah. There is one other thing I want to um I didn't mean to suck in and sound uh, <laughs> extremely alarmed there. I just, I just <laughs> breathe. Wake up. Um there there is one other thing I wanted to mention before we finish up here. I apparently have guests here at the <laughs> at the studio. I did not notice until I looked over out the window. Um Um I had read, and I don't know how true this is, that back in the day, maybe the fifteen hundreds, people oft got up um halfway through the night and were awake for a little while and then went had, back did to they sleep. Have a meal? 
Have you maybe? Read, yeah, even people like would eat something like called the midnight snack and the midnight. I saw what midnight was. Like you got up, had midnight, and then kind of read or did whatever for a little while and then went back to sleep. And I have read that too, but I haven't found that information, anything scientific. It's probably out there. I just haven't looked hard enough. But what I did find was something similar that um, we know is true in more, um, I don't know, equatorial communities. Like I said the Mediterranean mm-hmm. and um, little siestas down in down in Mexico right. where they have an afternoon nap. In Spain too, I think. Don't they like yes. in Spain From they do the same thing? Because I've never been to any of those places, so I've never experienced it. But I have um, wondered if maybe that would help all people because it seems like there's a bit of that in every culture. And what I mean is the whole getting up at midnight and staying awake, I had always read was like European and maybe even English. And from what I had read, that's how I interpreted it, is what it seemed like to me. And then in the sleeping in the afternoon, they both seem different sides of the same coin. Like you're basically breaking your sleep up to do six hours here and then an, an hour and a half or, you know, a cycle in the afternoon. And that, you know, animals do that. And, of course, we are animals. Um, so, and, of course, the sleep requirements, I think, based, um, based heavily on your mental capacities. And I don't think you can compare even monkeys to people. And when this, because it's so, we're so different in that regard, maybe, maybe we're not. Um, but I just thought we would be, if we didn't mention that, like it would be, we should be ashamed of not at least throwing that out there. Did you read that as well? Not that particular thing. I, we, me and you have talked about this sort of this idea and I have heard it talked about before. I've, I have not read that, but the idea that maybe the typical quote work pattern that is in the, our current culture, the reason why there's maybe unproductive, you know, unproductive moments in time or mm-hmm. afternoons is because we're fighting against something that's natural. And some of these yeah, other I mean, cultures how, don't fight against it. Everybody has the two o'clock drag. And of course you can say, Oh, well it's, you just ate and you're sleepy and you know, uh, what is it? Those levels are elevated right. and whatever. But I mean, maybe that is true and maybe a, that could all be true. And still it doesn't matter. You still maybe would benefit from doing that. Um, our 24 hour culture. I don't know if they ever would, but right. Who knows? Things could change. We've seen we've seen that with the uh, pandemic recently that things have changed dramatically, and we'll see where that goes. But anything else that you would want to throw into for talking point of um, sleep hygiene, which we kind of yes beat the drum of sleep inertia and what that is, and I, I don't want to overplay that. Like I, the knowledge of this literally this like changed how I felt about myself because I had sort yes, of a I self-defeating think- thing like oh man this is some kind of it's just me but then you, when you realize things one like on a science level how they work and what they are of you it just makes like, this is not a conscious choice now back to what you were saying about going in and into this hygiene going to bed at a good time and rarely is all part of this but there are parts of us in this populace I think who suffer from this just because it's just the, the short draw that we got us you know, cards in life. It, it's my sister was always easier to wake up than me. I don't know why, I, but, but that was always the case where I was just like, you'd have to set a bomb off to get me out of bed. And maybe it's because I stayed up later, but even as a young kid, which there was, you know, don't get out of bed. Don't do this. Don't do that. I would just lay there and stare at the ceiling. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep. It said not to do that. If you can't go to sleep to get up and do something. And a lot of the recommendations about sleep hygiene that it recommended, I was like, those seem to make sense. But I know from experience, I've tried to do that and it just made it worse. So I don't, you know, you have to see what works for you for sure. Cause I think this is, this is a science, but we're still learning. But it, some things I have read said not to, um, like do like have a place that's just for sleep. That's all it is. Cause subconsciously, if you do other things there, 
um, like reading or um, watching TV or whatever. And everybody does it, so I don't know what good you're going to do to say not to do that. Um, it can hurt your sleep quality. And I go to sleep a lot with YouTube going. Like I just fall asleep, and then if I wake up, I turn it off, just close the computer monitor. I think there are things that are broad brush that work. But then there's like uh, 30% of that number of, of the populace are exceptions to that. So I don't know what that's right. worth. But I mean, uh, there was a big movement to where are these special glasses when you're looking at your phone or your tablet or whatever. And it cuts out the blue light. And blue light is very stimulatory and all this, that, and other. I would just say in general, getting yourself off a device before you go to sleep may help in the sleep induction. Because I, I bet you've done this. Because I have. I have. I, and I wasn't aware of it. Like, I wasn't like, uh, you know, greeting my teeth to like, I need to get to the end of this article or the end of this chapter. Like, I have been engaged in something, usually reading or just moving your thumb. There's not a whole lot you're doing unless you're playing a game. And I found myself like, oh, the iPad just knocked me in the head. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember being sleepy. I was just reading this book that I have on my Kindle. And then, donk, the iPad yeah, hits me in the head. Like- and I wake up and think, for whatever reason, I don't take that as a cue. <laughs> I go right back to reading. <laughs> and then lately I've gotten to where I'm trying to See, be. See, I would have went to bed. I just would have turned it well, off. I'm trying to get to be, have better sleep hygiene. So I'm like, all right. What, what was fascinating to me is I wasn't like, oh, I really want to finish this chapter. It came out of nowhere. And I think that's the thing that may be the whole idea of like turn off the things because there can be a moment where your body is getting ready to shut down, but you just keep it going. And you're not aware yeah. of it. And that was the case for me then. A lot of times I'm aware when I'm pushing, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. man. Like if you're driving and you're tired of me, is the worst. It don't oh, matter. Roll the window yeah. down, roll it up, turn the radio up loud. It doesn't matter. If you're exhausted, nope. there's not much I can do. I mean, it just Mm-mm. stop and get out maybe. But when you, you're aware that you're fighting fatigue or sleep at that moment. But these this moment was like eye-opening to me. It's like how many times am I reading something or engaged in electronic media that my body could just go to sleep? But I'm keep on reading and it's against no friction. So like I said, I don't feel myself, oh, come on, power through, power through. Nope. I'm just reading leisurely. And then all of a sudden, lights out. <laughs> yeah, my wife does that for sure. She'll be reading and be asleep. But she's usually the same, though. She'll, as I, she'll realize, okay, time to go to bed. But yeah, I think and if you're not sleeping, you just keep doing it, then... Yeah, sure, you're innocent. Like, you don't, you're doing something that you don't know that you're doing. Like, you should just maybe just take the cue and go to sleep. Right. And that's some of the small things you could clean up um, with sleep hygiene. Just be Definitely aware everyone needs to happen. read and do their own. I wouldn't have yeah. believed that. I didn't believe that, actually, until I experienced it. I thought, no, I'm pretty in tune with my body. I know when I'm tired. That's when you're probably really tired, when you feel it, like your your face hurts Mm -hmm. and everything feels like you're pulling through mud or quicksand. That is probably when you are sleep deprived. That's probably exhausted. Yes. That's 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 where I exist a lot. (laughs) Yep. I think if you cleaned it up, maybe you'd see a huge difference. Who knows? We could uh, do the experiment yourself and see. Well, today (laughs) I did an experiment of I woke up at, I don't know, I think six I had no plans necessarily set into exact minutes or day of a part of the day, but I'm not normally like a get up in six unless there is a thing I'm doing. And right. I feel fine. I felt fine all throughout that. Whereas there are days on um, some other off days where I have woke up and then went back. And next thing I know, I'm like sleeping in. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm wasting the mm, day. Yeah. Oh, and it was yes. because I grabbed a few more cycles and was just like waking up when I wake Day's up. Done. Yep. Well, any take homes? Because I, uh, 
the time is ticking here. I got to fix this paper tiger. Well, not paper tiger, but this paper mache air conditioner. And apparently, I have guests. I'm supposed to be cooking hamburgers for. Nice. No, I think just be aware of all the things that can affect your sleep, like the screen, how much uh, time you're on it near the end of your day, and when are you going to bed, when are you waking up. But the, I mean, I think a key thing is just like really understanding if you wake up naturally, and it's I don't, I you have to determine your own boundaries. I think if you wake up at three, that might be a little early to stay up for the rest of the day. But if you're oh, yeah, if you're within yeah. an hour and a half or less of alarm clock going off time, which means you have a long time now to get ready, I would say do it. Two hours and might be the gray area. And I understand why people stay up and fight it because you spend all this time at work or doing something you didn't want to do, and this is your time. You recoup. So you're. You're going to watch Netflix. You're going to go run and do what you want to do. You're going to, you know, play video games, whatever you're doing. You want to do as much of that as you can because it's your time. And I get that. But just think, what if you gave up on that just a little bit at first and then the next day or the next, you know, after you fix this cycle, how much more quality life you would get yeah some of it will be at work and you do your job better but imagine how better your mood would be and then you still don't have to go to bed right away when you get home it's the the quality of life i think that you would see by fixing the sleep inertia problem if you have it not to be you know if i pump it would be night and day like <laughs> you know if you didn't have that inertia you just wouldn't feel like crud all the time and i fought with it as a kid because i was stubborn and just you know was tired all the time. was crappy. I'd stay up all night long. And who knows how much of more friends I'd have from not being a jerk when I was <laughs> tired and grouchy in college um, that I might have today. I mean, I still like my friends that stuck with me through the grouchiness, but who knows? You know, and just quality is better than quantity, I think, in almost every circumstance. That so is key. Give it a try. Don't think about sleep as in every morsel you need to grab. And, and that's where I made a mistake was thinking like, oh, I got this much time That was left. all equal. Like, I'm going to grab this many more minutes. No one can deny. It's math. I'm got from here till the alarm goes off. <laughs> but then that yep. would go off at a bad moment in my head. So now I'm paying for it all day long, whereas it wouldn't have been that bad had I just got up when I woke, woke right. up. I know we've said that a hundred times in a hundred different ways, but that's the big thing. So just quality over quantity and try not to, just like he said, it's not about the total quantity. It's about the quality and then, do as much of the quality as you can. It's the cycles. Sometimes it's just a matter of being aware of things. And this yep. is night and day for me. Just yeah, I don't remember. I've never heard anybody talk about it like this before. So I'm sure like psychologists and maybe even doctors and people have known about it. But I don't think it's something that generally like Elmo on Sesame Street talks about. <laughs> or, you know, that educates the regular people. You know, I mean, don't, I don't remember don't any cartoon... Cycle. What were those things at the end of G.I. Joe and all those? Like, like a PSA, never, like a perfect session. Yeah, the public, yeah, you never heard you know. anything like that. Yeah, and the more you know. So now, the more you know. <laughs> well, I'm going to go grill some burgers and fix this HVAC. All right, man. We'll talk you want to come later. over and help? Mm, I'll take a burger. <laughs> Seen a bunch of run-down new horse towns where the church is the backbone loves and the plow and the five-string melodies groovy.